I grew up in an environment, uh, I guess when I say grew up, I mean, I, I became a Christian and my early days as a Christian, I was 21 years of age and walking with Jesus and the church environment I was in, we were like always believing God for stuff. Like always. It was just every meeting was about miracles and receiving from God. Uh, which is really great. I mean, it is, it's maybe one facet of a bigger diamond, but it is a fantastic facet to be believing God for good stuff. Um, and that's what I want to talk about tonight. What I'm going to speak about tonight is maybe a little bit old school in one sense, but I really, really felt this on my heart. I had absolutely nothing this week for tonight. Even came to church this morning. I had absolutely nothing for tonight. I got home. And uh, when Sue got home, she said to me, are you good for tonight? I said, I've got nothing. She said, would you like me to write something? You want me to do something? I said, no. I know that something's going to come. It just hasn't come yet. And uh, I just opened my Bible and began to read. And this passage just leapt out at me. And I really believe God's going to get on this tonight. So I'm going to try and not take too long. I'm going to try and let Scripture speak to us. And release faith in us. Um, is there anything you need God to do for you? I'm asking you. Is there anything you personally need God to do for you? Because Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. In a rather pointed way, the Apostle James, who is noted for his literary style, he's pretty aggressive. He says, you have not, of course you ask not. Don't whinge. God's not moving in your life if you're not asking him to. And so I want to look at a story tonight in Scripture. I'm going to speak about receiving your miracle. So I don't know, on whatever end of the scale, from like literally move a mountain miracle, you might need a move a mountain level miracle. It might be that. Online with us, that might be you. Or it could just be, oh, Who's ever had a prayer like this? Lord, a little bit of guidance would be nice. <laughs> Tea? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's, Lord, it'd just be nice to know, to hear from heaven, to have some guidance, to have some direction. Whatever level it is, I want to look at a story, and it's one of those stories in Scripture, I really love these stories, that are difficult. It's a difficult story. It's Jesus having a difficult conversation. This isn't the first time I've ever preached this passage, but it's certainly the first time I've preached it the way I'm about to. It's a difficult, and I love difficult passages of Scripture because far from us getting embarrassed and thinking, what do I do with that? I don't understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus, have you ever thought, Jesus, you're a little bit hard to defend right now? What that actually is, is a literary device that Bible writers use to get you to look deeper into the story. When you don't understand something, when you go, that doesn't make sense, there could be a reason it doesn't make sense. Because the, the writer might actually be saying, why don't you take a deeper look at this? There's more going on than meets the eye. So we're going to look at this difficult conversation. Are you ready for that? I'm going to read the whole passage and then I'm going to go back through and pull it apart uh, pull about six verses apart and go pretty quick. Okay, so here we go. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Then Jesus went out from there. I'm not sure whether, oh, we've got notes. Full cred to the media department. I'm meant to have these notes last Tuesday to them. 
I got them there at about 4.30 this hour, 4 o'clock this afternoon. So, and I said, you don't need to put it there. You don't need to do it. I understand, but they're there. So at least the verse is. Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region. So this is outside of Israel. And cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, not a word. (laughs) It's so easy in Bible stories just to keep reading like that's normal. Like, how embarrassing is that? This is someone with not just a little, this is not someone saying, Lord, a little bit of guidance would be nice. This is someone saying, I need a move a mountain miracle. I've lost my kid. A demon's got a hold of her. And Jesus acts indifferent. Jar Jar Binks would say, how would? (laughs) For those of us young enough to remember Star Wars, old enough. It seems like a crazy response. He answered her not a word and his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. So she didn't just say it once. It's not like, oh, she cried out and Jesus must have missed that one. He's walking down the street, obviously. She's following in the entourage, screaming out to the point where his disciples, his team are so embarrassed that they're like, would you just put a stop to this? And he says to them, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he was basically saying her concern is no concern of mine. And then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, how great is your faith. Let it to be Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. You cannot read that story as a normal human being without thinking, Jesus, wouldn't it have just been easier to do it? Wouldn't it have saved everyone the pain? It would have saved her the embarrassment, the the, the loss of, I don't know, self-respect to have to run down the road chasing you and begging you when you knew you could have done it all along would have saved the disciples the embarrassment of crowd management and maybe even having to explain Jesus' actions to the crowd. Can you remember some of the, imagine some of the people on the edge of the crowd going, hang on a sec, I thought he was the healer. I thought he'd come with compassion. He talks all about love and he's ignoring this woman. They are questions you've got to ask yourself if you're going to read the Scripture honestly. But often, as Christians, we do not read Scripture honestly. 
In one sense, I think it's because we've sort of been fashioned or discipled or urged to you just read it and believe it. Which is really dumb because then if a friend asks you, why do you believe what you believe? If you haven't already questioned this stuff, you have no idea. You don't know what the answer is. All you can say is, yes, Jesus is a difficult and embarrassing character to follow. So let's have a look at this and pull it apart bit by bit. Let's look at barriers to receiving your miracle and the barriers she had to break through to actually receiving her miracle. I want to look at verse 23, the first part of the verse. He answered her, not a word. That's a barrier when God isn't talking. (laughs) True? If you want something from God and it's like, God's not speaking to me. Oh, have you prayed about it? Yes. He totally ignored me. (laughs) Kept walking up the street. Because ultimately her cries, they're like prayers. They're like prayers for her daughter. And God is totally ignoring. Anyone else had God totally ignore their prayers? Can you relate to it? Can you see yourself in the story already? You might not have a demon-possessed kid, although some of us think we might have, but but just around dinner time generally. But you know what I mean? When God isn't talking, often we interpret that as God's not interested. No, no, God not talking is not God not interested. I've learnt that. Sometimes we interpret it as God said no. No, God said nothing. When God's not talking, it's not the same as God saying no. Or yes. What is God up to? Verse 23, second part of the verse says, His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Here's another big barrier for you, and that's when the people of God are fed up with you too. Can't even get encouragement from the church. This is the A-team. This is Jesus' A-team, and they're like, too hard to handle? Can we just ditch her? It's like, I've got a demon-possessed daughter. Yeah, but Jesus doesn't seem to care, so neither do we. Here's the thought, you know, and and the fact is we've all probably been here at some point. And let's just be honest. Let's have a a truth moment. uh, um, Needy people are draining. (laughs) Some Christians don't need to question why they've got no friends. (laughs) Because they're never thinking about how they can be a blessing or how they can encourage, they're just continuously going around trying to pull out of other people. (laughs) And honestly, that can just get you to the point where even God's people, it's like, well, God doesn't seem to be meeting their needs, so why do we need to? (laughs) And that's where the disciples are at. Tell me about it. Come on, that's where the disciples are at. They're not looking to fix it. They're not looking to help her. They're not looking to go, look, Jesus is busy. He's had a massive speaking schedule. He's healed many, many, many people. Let's take her aside and comfort her. They're not thinking that. They're thinking she's an embarrassment. Let's get rid of her. I'm really sorry if that's happened to you in church circles, because it does. It actually does happen. People get compassion fatigue. People get whinge fatigue. Some people whine their way out of relationships. I'm really, really sorry if that's you, but can I just give you one encouragement? God's people might have given up on you and God might not seem to be speaking 
but the story's not over yet. <laughs> Just because God's not speaking doesn't mean God says no. And even when God's people say no, it doesn't mean God said no. If you've ever had God's people say, no, no, it's not going to happen for you. <laughs> That's not God speaking. <laughs> and then we go to verse 24. How you doing? You doing all right? I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here's another barrier. When you don't fit the religious template. <laughs> when you don't fit the religious template. She certainly didn't. She was a foreigner. And Jesus had a very clear mission to speak to the children of Israel. And she is from outside that, although there's elements in the story, as I restudied it again this afternoon, I thought there's elements in this, the language that she uses, the way that she approaches Jesus. Come on, she worships him for goodness sake. She actually cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. She had a better insight into who Christ was than what his disciples did at that point, if you actually study it. Yet she was outside the template of his mission. <laughs> Ever felt outside of the template of God's mission? <laughs> Come on, that God will touch anyone in the room except you. Because you don't deserve it. Because maybe you're really stuffed up. Maybe you're sitting there thinking even tonight, if people knew who I really was, they'd know why God doesn't do anything good for me. Maybe you just don't feel like you fit the template for blessing. Why would God bless me? Because I just don't seem to fit it. Verse 25. The story's not over yet. Then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. What an exceptional response. Most of us would have given up already. Wouldn't we? Come on, let's be honest. It's, let's be honest. God's ignored me for a while. Then God's people are ignoring me and rejecting me. And then I'm told I'm not in the mission zone. So most of us would go, stuff you, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. Can we be honest? Can Christians, for goodness sake, if we can't be honest anywhere else, can we at least be honest in church? At this point, you'd be going, you know what? I don't really care what I've heard about this bloke. He is a stuck-up, narrow-minded, blah-blah-blah, incompassionate git. You'd be ready to just lose it. Look at her response. She worships him. Wow. Some of us, it takes a lot, it takes so little to put a barrier between us and our miracle. Get a bit discontent, a little bit thrown off the scent, a little bit discouraged. People aren't encouraging me enough. God's not speaking to me enough. I'm going to give up on journaling because I've done it three times this week and I don't really think God's spoken to me yet. And we're ready to give up. And here's this woman who's literally publicly humiliated, deciding to take it to the next level and actually bend a knee and worship. And then look at his response. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. How do you defend a God like this? Unless you look at what the story might really be teaching. This is indefensible. 
fancy this. The woman, total humility. I'm prepared to lay everything down. I don't care what anyone thinks in spite of what might appear to be indifference or even outright rejection. I will worship you. And Jesus' response is, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. <laughs> I'm just going to worship him. You know, it's funny, we, we listen for a word from heaven sometimes. I wonder how we'd feel about hearing, it's just a little dog. <laughs> oh, Lord, speak to my heart. <laughs> I'm a, a great and amazing man of God, woman of God. Love. I have a destiny, I have a future. They're the words we want to hear, not... Oh, Lord, just, I worship you, just speak to me. Well, I sort of consider you to be a little bit of a dog. <laughs> it's getting quieter in here because you're getting more honest with the story. This is what the story's telling us. <laughs> when your worship hits the brass ceiling, that's an obstacle to your miracle. <laughs> you believe in God for the best. You even, come on, who's ever tried to manipulate God with worship. Do I need to sit on the edge of the platform so we can have an honest talk here or something? Because I think some of you are just holding out like, and you're looking like manifested sons and daughters of God. I'd never do anything like that. I'd never spend extra time in my prayer closet praying because extra time means extra points and something better might happen. And, and I mean, she's just worshipped God, but what happens when your worship just goes up and it hits a brass or a glass ceiling and just bounces back down around your ears? Little dog, how does that feel? That's a barrier to receiving you. Well, you, you think it is. These are all barriers that she actually kept breaking through. That's what I want you to notice. She kept breaking through. Because verse 27, now you've got to be thinking she's offended to the max now. Instead, she's totally engaged. Yes, Lord, <laughs> but even the little dogs eat crumbs from under the master's table. And Jesus, his response is, there it is. That's what I've been looking for. We've gone from, I've got a big need, you should meet it. You should get your crew. If I pester them, something will happen for me. I'll even fall down and worship and spend a bit of extra time in your presence to somehow manipulate you to do what needs to be done for me. But when she comes out with a revelation of the heart of God and the kingdom, Jesus says, that's it right there. You realise exactly what God's kingdom is. And Jesus has been like stalling her and pushing her off and the pressure's building and the pressure's building. Hey, she needs faith for a big miracle. This is a move, a mountain miracle. A demon coming out of a daughter, a kid getting set free and her getting a kid back. That is a significant kind of miracle. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's helping the pressure build so that faith is released for that miracle. And of course, as you desire, he says, and a daughter was healed from that very hour. And I love it because it's like when you think it's all headed in the wrong direction, you realise Jesus has been on top of this all the way along. 
steering this to the conclusion that he wanted it to have, which was far more than her daughter being delivered, but this woman having a revelation of just how good God is and how big his heart is toward her. So ultimately, faith is all God's looking for. And this is where I'm going to close this message. I'm going to ask us a couple of questions, and then we're going to pray. Is there anyone in here that needs God to do something for them? Is there anyone in here prepared to ask God to do something for them? Come on, you have not because you ask not. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. So faith is what Jesus is looking for. Jesus affirms this. It's all he's been looking for all along. It's not worthiness to receive. I would say that someone with a demon-possessed daughter deserves a miracle. But that's not how the kingdom works. It's not on who deserves what or what's fair or not. You might look at it and it might be, how about how desperate she is? Surely that's going to get points. How desperate she is, prepared to run down the road calling out. No, that's not what God's looking for. And yet sometimes some of us have missed a miracle because that's where we've given up. If I just get desperate enough and run down the road and chase it around, I've seen it. I've seen people chase, literally people chase them around meetings looking for their miracle. And it's like, I don't think they're ever going to get it until they get a revelation on the inside of them of what the kingdom is. Not someone else, not, not the healing evangelist's revelation, their own. <laughs> it's not about how pathetic we are. Because sometimes that's how we feel. It's like, Lord, this is so pathetic. You have to deliver me. Anyone? Anyone ever felt so pathetic in their situation? It's like, <laughs> God, I deserve deliverance. No, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Which conversely means with faith, it's impossible not to. And that's all Jesus was looking. What, what was his response? Oh, woman. Not how great is your need. How great is your pathetic plea? Oh, woman, how great is your faith that you believe your God could be good enough to jump over the cultural hurdles, to jump over the spiritual hurdles and the reality that your daughter has a massive spiritual control issue? How good are you that you could leap over all of that simply because I believe you're good and you can. Even little dogs like me get crumbs from the master's table. So faith is the key. And this is what Jesus was up to all along. All of a sudden, you see that far from being a bigoted, rude, uncaring individual, he has intentionally forced her into a corner where the only thing she could appeal to was faith. He wasn't looking for a good argument or to be convinced of the value of his service. He was looking for faith. So what about you? What do you need God to do for you tonight? 
Is it okay if we come to church and do more than just have a happy message and a potato afterwards? Is that okay? If just for a few moments we believe God for some stuff? Here's, here's a question. Is there something you've given up on because God doesn't seem to be speaking? God's people are not supporting you in it. You don't fit the template for blessing. You can look at others and go, I understand why God would bless them, but I don't understand why God would bless me. Maybe you've even tried twisting God's arm, but nothing is happening. Is there something you've given up on? Is there something tonight you should be believing God for? Maybe that situation just hasn't got desperate enough for you to need God yet. You notice that? How often we leave God as the last resort? And then generally when you do hit your knees and go to God and He comes through, then you think, why did I wait that long and why did I go to God last? Is it only me? Come on, what do you need to believe God for tonight? Another question. Are you ready to try faith? Are you ready to try faith? And can I just say this? I'm not talking about what you believe about Him. I'm talking about believing in Him. There's a big difference between, between believing in Him and believing about Him. I can give mental assent to the fact that Jesus Christ walked the earth 2,000 years ago. That's not hard to prove now from history books. It's recorded in, with Josephus, first century historian, in Roman records of uprisings around this Christus fella. It's not hard to prove the reality of Jesus Christ. But that, that is nothing like believing in him. In one sense, she said all the right things at the start. Son of David, have mercy on me. She was obviously looking for the Messiah because that's what covenant people called the Messiah. So she sort of knew about him. By the end of the conversation, her whole heart was invested in him. Through every possible stumbling block, barrier, anything that could possibly have offended her, she laid it down so that she might touch him, so that he might touch her need. How about you tonight? You ready to actually put faith in him rather than just believe about him? Huge difference, friend. Huge difference. So, Father, help us right now. Be honest with our needs. And what we need you to touch, what we need you to be involved in,